Hello, my name is Billy Hall, and this is my Case Analysis 2 podcast. And the one that really stood out to me was the um, USFL versus NFL in 1986. So the plaintiffs of the case are the USFL, the defendants are the NFL, and the court was United States District Court, SD in New York. So basically, just overall kind of preview, briefing of the case was that the the USFL came after the NFL, saying that the NFL had created this and knew and willingly created this sort of like monopoly over like everything and that they had the power to control prices of everything and and kind of exclude the competition in the rel- in the relevant market of professional football in the United States. So what they were saying is the NFL had basically just taken over because there's the UF, the USFL and the NFL, and they kind of competed with for athletes and different things, contracts, television, stuff like that. And they're saying the NFL had kind of created this monopoly that kind of gave them this all type of power that could kind of push the USFL aside. So in the case, the USFL sought after $1.69 billion in damages. So the jury that sat on this court was was consisted of five women and one, and one man. So ultimately, when it came to conclusion, the, uh, the USFL was only awarded $1. So kind of the, uh, the jury kind of decided that they could not distinguish a certain amount of money that the USFL lost because of this like monopoly the NFL had created, or if it was from kind of just bad ownership and poor management from the USFL. And that and it kind of gets like this, this gray area where you can't really tell whether it was from them struggling themselves and them just trying to find a way out, trying to find an easy, quick fix, or if the NFL really had kind of gained this like, almighty power over professional football in the United States. So the jury came to the conclusion that the NFL had violated Section 2 of the Sermon Antitrust Act by, by maintaining and operating a monopoly that they could control. That they said they could control prices and exclude competition. Although the USFL failed to prove the five other charges for violating the act, including major television networks, which included ABC, NBC, and CBS. And they're saying it's against 27 of the 28 NFL teams, and also the NFL commissioner, Pete Rosella. And kind of the, the jury came, was kind of confused about this rolling kind of and they were set a dollar just because they couldn't really put a set price on how much the nfl took like caused them to lose and they said ultimately they set a dollar that way they kind of just figured the uh the judge would ultimately decide how much money to award them when it came down to it the judges agreed with them and kind of just gave them a dollar because it was kind of this like i said kind of this gray area they really wasn't sure if it was from poor management and they were just looking for a quick way out. 
some way to save their league. And, you know, if somebody's awarded $1.69 billion, that's a way to save your league for a long time. So the USFL had sought after injunctive release, relief from the court. This would have prevented the NFL from having its game televised on all three major networks. So the UFL tried to say the NFL interfered with their television contracts with ABC and NBC and the cable network. Saying that the NFL had kind of put applied this pressure on these networks and for that they need to be with them and they had all this stuff to do like obligations and everything to do with the NFL. And that's why they and that's why the USFL could ultimately only sign with the ESPN for their fall season. And kind of a comment about the entire case from, you know, the NFL's lawyer, Mr. Frank Rothman, who was a lawyer for the NFL. He said, my reaction is that, that the jury was very, very astute in what it saw through the case. A case built and nothing but smoke and not very good smoke at all at that. The dollar Ferguson is an insult to the USFL it was exactly what this jury thought about this lawsuit. It sent a signal that there is a preposterous case, and that's what you get. So kindly, the lawyer of the NFL kind of just says, there's no messing with the NFL. They have this power. No matter what you say, no matter what you come at them with, you're not beating the NFL. Kind of just saying that the NFL is untouchable. Ultimately. Sorry, I had a little bit of technical difficulties there. So what really stood out to me about this case was that they kind of knew that the NFL had this monopoly going. They, you know, they knew the NFL was controlling the markets, controlling prices, controlling competitions, trying to basically push aside and X out the USFL to get them out of there so they, you know, they could be this one big, powerful, professional football team in the United States. And at the end of the day, even after knowing and even admitting to it, they only awarded the USFL a dollar. It's kind of interesting to think about that because I don't know if it goes to show you that the NFL had control of the courts. Like the NFL had so much power that they could influence the courts and all this stuff. Or if it just goes to show that it just kind of goes to show that the uh, they wasn't sure. They were just confused ultimately on the USFL struggles. Kind of just Makes you wonder kind of just big time about how they can admit to the NFL having this monopoly and, vi- and like, you know, violating these acts and then just awarding the USFL just only a dollar. Really kind of raises some question marks. Yeah, this case was kind of a big eye-opener to me, and it kind of goes to uh, 
some post-trial statements here by the jurors. And um, and it says, Miss Sanchez agreed to award the USFL a single dollar in damages based upon her belief that the court could increase the amount of damages and that the jurors were generally confused both by the court's instructions and by their own notions of the possible consequences of their verdict. So I think ultimately, the jury was just ultimately confused on a set amount, on what to do, if it could be raised, if they set a dollar that the judge would just kind of decide, and all this stuff, and it ended up going through was just a dollar being awarded. Another thing kind of interesting about this case is that the NFL really had nobody that they claimed nobody in the NFL was really responsible for like what was going on. So, you know, your commissioner gets by, you know, all your owners, everything, everything, everybody just gets a pass. And there's nothing really done other than the dollar, the dollar awarded to the USFL. The NFL opposed all USFL's motions in all as in all respects, and had the stuff removed from ju for judgment. You know, v with respect to the jury's verdict of the USFL's claim of actual monopolization. Ultimately, this case was really kind of cool and fun to learn about, and it kind of just goes to show you that the. Uh, the power the NFL had over everything at the time and how they were running this monopoly and they were controlling markets, controlling prices, you know, basically dominating the competition ultimately. And they're found guilty of, you know, that they did it, that they had this monopoly going and still nothing was really done. And it was kind of just let them kind of still control everything. And, you know, when you look, I mean, now NFL is really the only league that is strong and consistently still been going. You know, you have these spring leagues come in every now and then, you know, this XFL, you know, all this different stuff. And, like, you know, it's a year, maybe one season, half a season, and they're gone. And it kind of just makes you think, you know, like now does the NFL still the same way? kind of not wanting these other leagues to come in and still let them be the ultimate one powerhouse for professional football in the United States. Thank you. This will conclude my podcast.